This is the Conduit Church Teaching Podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's our mission to be a conduit of Jesus to the community in front of us and the world around us, starting with the teaching of His Word. Enjoy the message. We're continuing our journey through the book of John. John said that he wrote these words, this whole book of John that we've been going through, that you might believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is the Christ, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. He didn't write this book so that you might think Jesus was a great teacher or a good example. No, he wrote it so that we might believe, and every chapter, every word is him pointing towards that Jesus is who he said he is. And John chapter 12, verse 1, six days before the Passover... Jesus came to Bethany. The countdown has begun. In six days, Jesus is going to be crucified. He came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. Now, just not long before that, that was where Lazarus was dead. But now Lazarus is living again. Who he raised from the dead. Here, a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. I suppose if you have been resurrected from the dead, you can kick your feet back and, and, and relax. You've been through a, bit, you know, a little bit of a journey. Verse three, then Mary took out a, a pint of pure nard. Now my grandmother uh, had a cast iron skillet and uh, man, she grew to 85 years old on, a, on nard. Sorry, that killed in the first service. It's, it's, it's lard. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, lard. Did any of your grandmas, I mean, you California people probably didn't, that's why you're all so healthy, but where I'm from, my grandma kept that cast iron skillet. She'd be cooking pork chops and bacon, and she didn't wash, you know what I'm saying? The next morning, she'd just fry up some eggs in it, and I promise you, she lived to 85 years old. You know, preach, right? Now, I might add, her heart did come to a screeching halt at 85. <laughs> Like it, was, it wasn't a slow walk, <laughs> but man, she was happy. <laughs> yeah, so that's not what this is. This was an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume, but one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as a keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Every drop of nard going on the floor was a drop that he didn't get to steal. Leave her alone, verse seven, Jesus said. It was intended that she should save this Perfume for the day of my burial. You might want to pay attention to that. We're going to come back to it. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. And so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus again. <laughs> How ironic is that? We raised him from the dead, but we're going to get you back. 
And so the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. That's God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we approach your word, it's your lamp and your light for us. It's your truth. We pray, Father, that it isn't just an academic exercise this morning. This is a Holy Spirit download of your truth, your word, and your promises to us. Father, I pray that you would be with our friends this morning at Generations Church in downtown Franklin and with our friends at Five Stones Church, Pastor Sean, Pastor Craig. Uh, They're right in the middle of uh, downtown Franklin where in just a month there's going to be an event that is the kingdom of darkness trying to manifest on earth. And I pray that they will be bolstered and that we will stand alongside them as we stand against not the people but the darkness that is invading this city. Thank you for the courage of the brothers and sisters in this room and the brothers and sisters in this community that have had the courage to speak up against wickedness and evilness in our community. Let us be voices of light. Let us be voices of blessing and prosperity in this city for the goodness of this city. It's in your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Now, I know that we got some essential oil ladies in the church this morning. I love the oil ladies. One of my favorite oil ladies is Carol Weaver, and I don't know if she's here, but I, you know when she's here normally because uh, she wears thieves. Do you know about the thieves? You know what I'm talking about? Right. So you know Carol's here because she, it comes around the corner before she does. <laughs> now, I have no judgment on that because I grew up in the 80s, and I had a little green bottle of polo. Right. CJ, did you have that? Are you old yeah. enough to have had that? Did you realize how bad we smelled? We, I thought, there was a reason why I had trouble with the ladies in high school, because it really was not that attractive of a smell. Confused, yeah. It's probably why my mom encouraged it. Put more of that on. Put more of that on, because that'll get them. Anyway, I've, I've recently, I took a whiff of that because you can get it at like CVS now. You know what I'm saying? Like, like they're selling it by the gallon down there. But, but back in those days, I thought I smelled amazing. Uh, the, the nard is actually a perfume that, that did in fact smell amazing. And unlike uh, Polo, you can't buy this uh, at the CVS. It actually, if you wanted a barrel of this, Jamie, it's going to set you back $330,000 for a, for a barrel of nard. Now, I don't know if uh, you can get that in Kentucky or not, if that is aged in a barrel. I'm not 100% sure, but I know that uh, that's above my pay grade. But to put that in perspective, like when she, like the reason everybody's so offended, in fact, in Luke chapter 10 and the, in the other uh, telling of this by Luke, and not only is Judas mad, everybody be mad because she didn't just like crack open a little bit of nard and smell it on, or pull it on, put it on Jesus' feet. She smashed the container. She spiked the nard. I mean, just in the end zone, throws it out, and it's in Jesus' feet. It's on his head. It has filled the home with nard. And it is uh, referred to as a sweet 
smell with a wood scent to it. Uh, so, uh, somebody who works at the urban market, Rachel Pinkstaff, brought me a little vial of, uh, of the nard, and I guess that probably set her back, I don't know, it seems like $80 from that. But, um, and, and it's true, it's a very sweet smell. And what I want to share with you in the few moments that we have is the difference between What's happening with Mary and Martha, there's, a, there's this little dispute, there's this little sibling rivalry, a kind of like Caleb and Anna, right? Like a, you know, sibling rivalry. Of, 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 and you know, it is, you can have brothers and sisters born, and have you ever done this before? You ever made like more than one kid, right? And if you make more than one, what you know is that you can have two kids raised in the same house by the same parents in the same zip code and have two completely different kids or four different completely kids, i.e. Micah and Lily. Uh, I've got four of them, and there's four different ones, you know, and there's four different ones. It's like uh, the Neapolitan ice cream. Like, I got one each, and then like an extra. Um, which Ethan would be like Rocky Road, I guess. Anyway, um, <laughs> Ethan knows better than not beer because I can give him crap and he can't. Anyway, here's what I know. In Mary and Martha, there's a, there is a dispute. There's a, there's a rivalry between them. We saw it in, in John 11. Jesus is coming. Mary stays home. Martha runs out, right? Martha's the go-getter. She's the, the achiever. But what I wanted to bring out of this, this, this passage has no shortage of people talking about it. You, you could literally pull up John MacArthur right now and he will do a hundred times better job than, than what I could even, you know, saying the same things. But something jumps out at me this week that is, th- that I'd never noticed before. It's not new. By the way, Bible, you know, when you're hearing anybody saying this is brand new, if it's new, it is not true. hundred percent. That's how you know if somebody, we've missed it for 2,000 years and suddenly some guy has suddenly figured out something brand new that we've never seen before, it's not true. That's why it's, this has been here the whole time. I had just never noticed it before. And I've read some, you know, Warren Wearsby, some different commentaries. Okay, I I just has never seen this before. But in the, in the bitterness of this, in a world right now, especially why I think this is appropriate for our context in our current especially in our current city moment, our our region right now, is the idea of how much bitterness and resentment can not only permeate a community, but can permeate our homes. And, And moms and dads especially, if you are active, right, if you are out there and you're being courageous, we've got to do it from a place of love and not a place of resentment, right? A place of hope and not a place of revenge. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is how we can turn our home not into a home of bitterness, but into a home of, of sweetness. The nard filled the whole house with the sweetness of this smell. To really be a home sweet home. This is Martha's house. And in Martha's house, that's what Luke 10 tells us. In, in just what we're seeing in this little vignette, in just these nine verses, is how they were worshiping in their home, how they were giving in their home, and how their home was built on the foundation of him, not anything else, but on the foundation of him. What I mean by worshiping him at home. It says six days before the Passover, verse one, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived. The dinner was given in his honor. And then in verse three, Mary took about a pint of pure nard and expensive perfume. She poured it out on Jesus's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now, 
Corinthians, 1 Corinthians tells us that a woman's hair is her, her glory. Right? There's, this, there's this idea from that culture in that time that her hair was her glory. So what she's doing is her, she's laying her glory at his feet. Did you see, giving him glory, whose glory am I giving him? I'm giving him mine. I'm laying my glory at his feet. He knows, it's, when he says no flesh, so glory, he's not a glory hog, right? I get all the glory, you get none. It's like he knows that glory kills and crushes who we are. It's like licking an outlet. You can do it, it just won't go well. I spent a little longer than I maybe should have working in the music world. Most of you know that. And most of you know that there is one common thread that is very, very, very common, and if it, there are exceptions, but this is the normal, that a little child who gets into the entertainment business, by the time they're in their 20s and 30s, have gone way off the deep end. We've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. But here's the thing, it's not just reserved for children, across the board. And it's a very, very simple problem. They're receiving glory meant for God. There's nothing wrong with being known or being famous. The problem is being a star. The problem is you creating your own light instead of reflecting his light and the world that entertainment business is, is we are creating light from you and then monetizing the light through you. And then when you are chewed up and spit out, we'll just find the next one in line behind you. That's the commonality of it all. And the idea that what Mary is saying is like, this glory that I have, we, we've seen it on the big screen, but it happens on your screen in your home as well. If you take the glory that, you, that belongs to him and make it your glory, you're going to short circuit your life. Mary, worshiping, is laying her glory at his feet. Romans 12 tells us what the definition of worship is. That definition is to offer your life as a living sacrifice, holy, pleasing, right, acceptable to him. That's the definition of worship, is whatever I'm offering my life to. We will all worship something. It's whatever we're offering our life to as a living sacrifice. And Mary is offering her life as a living sacrifice at the feet of Jesus. In our homes, our kids are watching. What am I doing with my glory? Am I laying it at his feet? Or am I trying to make more of it? Now, in the middle of all that, something interesting is happening because the rivalry between Mary and Martha is unfolding. See, Mary is laying her glory at the feet of Jesus. Martha is laying her glory in the kitchen. Remember back in John chapter 11, verse 20, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. Martha was a go-getter. Martha was an achiever. Now, if you are an achiever, parenthetically, we're in Middle Tennessee, statistically speaking, I would say 95% of this room are achievers. There is nothing, literally, listen to me, nothing wrong with being an achiever. Nothing. But if you as an achiever are looking to someone like Mary, 
and you feel like I'm doing it all. If, it, if you've ever said this word, well, if it's got to be done right, I got to do it myself. If it's going to get done, I'm going to have to do it. If it's going to be, it's up to me. When you look around at those that aren't doing it, what do you feel towards them? Resentment and bitterness. And inside of that is an opportunity for you to examine your own heart and literally, listen to me, ask myself, why am I doing this again? Because you'll say, I'm doing it for them, I'm doing it for him. But if you're mad that nobody is celebrating you for it, you ask yourself that question. Why am I doing this? Am I doing it for him or am I doing it for me? to fill this resentment in my own heart. I, I believe, and I think I could prove it to you biblically, people don't cause you to become resentful. People don't cause you to become bitterness. Those situations just reveal what bitterness or resentment was already in me. And what do I do in that moment? What do I do in the moment where I, I genuinely was wronged? I mean, look, when, the response Mary is having here, uh, on a scale of one to 10, this is about a two problem. But her response is a 10. If you're having a 10 response to a two problem, that's a heart check for you, right? And Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, he says, Mary, or uh, Martha, you're, you're worried, you're, fr- you're about all kinds of things. But Mary has chosen well this time and it will not be taken from her. That's Luke chapter 10, 42, 43, 44, somewhere in that range. What does he mean by that, that he cho- she has chosen wisely? Can I give you a little bit of a theological but also somewhat practical tool to put in your tool belt. It's it's in the book of Exodus chapter 15, and if you've got your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there. Just go to the book of Genesis and turn right. If you get to Deuteronomy, you've gone too far. But in Exodus chapter 15, there's a story of the people of Israel. The people of Israel have just been rescued from Pharaoh's army, the story of the Red Sea parting before them, and they've made it across, the horse and rider thrown into the sea, and all 14 people that grew up in a Pentecostal church know exactly what song I'm talking about. Tammy knows. (laughs) CJ knows too, man. We wore a polo, and we sang the horse and rider thrown into the sea. (laughs) They have just been rescued. They have made it out. And I mean, you talk about a party. I mean, imagine, like literally, the the entire armies of Pharaoh, gone. They're carrying all the gold and silver with them. And now they're in a desert and there's no water and they're three days in. And they look across the desert, and I don't know if you've ever been lost before, and you see, it's a long story, but when I say that my, kid, my parents free-ranged me as a kid, like that is not an uh, exaggeration, and 
I do remember a moment being lost as a kid, and it had been a while. And I remember seeing water in this river. And, but they see this water, and I mean, I'm, I was lost for a day. These guys were lost for three days. There's three million of them. They see water, and that's where it picks up Exodus 15, verse 22. So Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went into the desert of Shur. For three days, they traveled into the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink its water because it was bitter. That is why this place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses saying, what are we to drink? Imagine, they are literally running to this water, the desert. It's probably a gang rush, man. They are jumping in, cannonballs, and it is bitter. And the thing that was supposed to be sweet was now bitter. And notice that God led them there. And Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. Now, I have put the King James Version up here because they've translated it more closely to the original language. He showed him a tree. He threw the tree in the water, and the water became sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance and he proved to them and it goes on talking about that then God led them from that to a place where the water was now uh, the the 12 palms and and an oasis in the desert. Now why did I bring this point to you? The bitter water, God led them to a place of that was bitter not to make them bitter but to reveal the bitterness that was already in them. Now he said to them, throw it, Moses, throw a tree in this water. In 1 Peter 2.24, he says that he himself who bore your sins on the tree. Galatians 3 tells us that cursed is anyone who hangs on a tree. In the Old Testament language, whenever you see the word tree, most of the time, almost every time that I can think of, it's a picture of the cross. There is a really simple and yet complicated, complex, it's, it's not complex, it's just hard, practical tool that you can have here. He bore your sin on the tree. The person that sinned against you, he bore that sin on the tree as well. Darren, you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But what more than the death of the Son of God could you ask for to pay for what they did against you? That very sin that was in my life that's been paid for was paid for in the life of the sin against those that have sinned against me. And here's what's amazing. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against many people. It's why the cross is so important because if I'm being honest I want I mean Tracy I want grace for me right but I want justice for everybody else you know I want grace for me but I want you to pay (laughs) and if everybody got what they wanted which is grace for me and justice for thee none of us would make it out alive. It's why the cross was so important and it's why that little picture, that little moment of Moses throwing a tree into the water and making the bitter water sweet, taking 
that into our homes, worshiping him in our homes, the gospel at the center of it. I mean, Paxton, that's how you, guys like you and my, me that are passionate that, I mean, if you've been around Paxton, he, he's like me, he's ready to fight. I'm, I had a friend who asked me once, man, are you a hillbilly, Darren? Because you're like always ready to fight. And I'm not a hillbilly, I'm white trash, which is like hillbilly without the romance. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> We're like hillbilly, hillbillies without as good a PR. <laughs> We're like, that's all we did growing up was fight. Like We're always fighting somebody. But at some point, What I'm really saying when I say I want justice is what I really want is I want revenge. There's a reason why the Bible speaks of leave revenge up to the Lord. Receive the grace and offer that same grace. And even when it's hard, and I know that there are people in here, I know that you might think I'm being glib because you might have experienced some very specific and very painful, traumatic and abusive situations. I get it. Without going into details, when, when you were raised feral like I was, you, you experienced things over your life. And I'm not, yes, this is a biblical principle that I'm sharing with you, but this is a real life experience that I've had to walk out and live out in my own life. Seeing somebody that I know that has harmed me in a way that I, the toothpaste is out of the tube. So I have two choices. I could make this my identity for the rest of my life. I could build an online platform talking about my trauma and how everybody needs to pay. And all that does is keep me in the bitter waters of Mara. But Jesus has sweet waters that he wants us to swim in. Now why on the world why in the world am I talking about Mara and bitter and all that? What do you think the name Mary means? Have you ever done a, a word search on the etymology of the name Mary? The name Mary that Mother of Jesus, the, the name Mary that, by the way, in the Old Testament, the word, the name Miriam, remember that name, Moses' sister, the, the name Miriam is the Hebrew version of the name Mary. Do you know what Mary means? It means bitter. Bitter, Mara. Mary, the same etymology. When you see what Mary is doing by taking the sweet scent of nard, I just, can we get into a different name? Doesn't it feel like it just feels like I'm ruining the moment with nard? I'm just going to the office like the nard dog, like it's just ruining everything, but let's just get it all out of our systems so we can get back to to the moment. Darren's ruining the moment. (laughs) She is taking what is the most valuable to her in her home and she is giving it to Jesus. She took this vial of perfume that was worth a year's salary, Luke tells us, And she gave it to Jesus. Mary had a right to be bitter 
but she recognized what Jesus was doing. She was literally saying that Jesus has resurrected my, my brother and instead of running around trying to serve, and she's literally now at the feet of Jesus. She and Martha had the exact same experience. And instead of letting that experience between them, their sibling rivalry, rise her up, she goes to the feet of Jesus with it while Martha goes to the kitchen with it. She gave him, and it's interesting, by the way, in Luke 10, it's really fascinating. Like, Martha isn't mad at Mary because she just wasted a year's salary. She's mad because she's not helping in the kitchen. It's just, it was just a glimpse into what's going on in her heart. She's not, look, she's not a bad person for this. It's just that Jesus is revealing this and he's saying, look, Mary put at the feet of Jesus, she gave him everything at the feet of Jesus, right? Throwing the cross, so to speak, in her bitterness. And he's inviting Martha to do the same. Mary chose better. It will not be taken from her. Martha, you have the same opportunity. And that same opportunity is to put that foundation of the cross at the foundation of our homes, worshiping him in our homes, filling our house with the, I love my wife, she does this so much better than I do. I wake up in the morning and there's some British guy reading the Bible to her on her phone. She's got worship music going on throughout the day, 99% of which I don't even know who are. And I feel like I know what's going on in the music world. I don't know who half of these people are, but it's filling our, so- our house with the sounds of worship. She- she's literally, worship is in our home. And I could say that with us, like even giving everything, we, like giving our home over to the gospel, we do so many, I hesitate to ever say, hey, we're doing this stuff right. And because I don't know about you, but like the church I went to for most of my life, like the pastor, all he did was kick Satan's butt all week long, right? And then I'm like, but I'm going, but man, I'm really sucking at this because I'm not, I'm not doing this. So I hesitate to say everything we're doing great because there's a whole lot we're not. But one thing we've done is, man, we have given our house to the Lord, as a place of ministry. We've given our house as a place of peace. We've given our home. And you know what? If you're a family in here and you're, and I've this, listen, I don't know who I'm, this is, you're gonna think, oh, he's talking to me. I'm not, I don't know, I don't have, there's nobody on my mind. And with that in mind, if your home is filled with the sound of you and your spouse yelling at each other on a regular basis and an ongoing basis, stop it. You're filling your house with the sound of bitterness and resentment. And and, and I know what you're saying. I mean, everybody fights a little bit. Everybody I've ever talked to, if, if you guys yell at each other all the time, I've got couples that yell at each other all the time, they always say the same thing. Well, I mean, everybody fights. No, they don't. Not like that. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You know, the kids can't hear. Do you understand how science works? The door is closed and now they magically can't hear. <laughs> Stop lying to yourself and in the name of Jesus, get your act together and stop with the fighting with each other and bring the sound of worship into your home. Bring the sound of peace into your home. I do not say that as a judgment. I say that as a 
I'm begging you for the sake of your children, don't model that for your children. There are ways to fight. Shannon and I fight. She, generally speaking, wins, mostly because she's usually right. Like 50%, she's right 50. 100% of the time. It's not that you can't disagree. I just want you to hear me say, don't fill the sound of your home with your bitterness. Fill it with the sound of your worship. And build that foundation on him. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. It's not saying, well, we don't need to worry about the poor. They're saying, oh, we can have the poor with you. All that means Rhonda's. We got plenty to do. Judas wasn't worried about the poor. He was worried about every drop of nard is a drop of money that he doesn't get. But the foundation of our home on him, because outside of our home, there is crazy stuff going on. And listen to me, in our culture, in our world right now, there's crazy stuff happening. Two doors down from my home last Sunday, right as I was getting ready to come on stage to speak, I get a, a text from my oldest daughter going, Dad, there's police outside our next door neighbor's house. Do you know what's going on? I'm like, uh... And then I got to come up here. I'm like, okay. So I'm texting Mo going, hey, if anything, do I need to leave? Anyway, literally, so one door down on the same side of the street, somebody shot up the front door. And I don't live, I mean, I live in the country. Now, we do hear gunshots at night, but that's more about the ambiance of College Grove. You know, where they're shooting raccoons and coyotes and stuff. But somebody literally drove into our neighborhood and shot up my neighbor's house because they politically disagreed with the stances that this guy's taking. Outside of our house, there are on both sides of issues, people that want to kill and to shoot and to destroy. We inside of our homes need a home built on the foundation of him, with him at the foundation and the core of who we are, so that no matter what happens on the outside, the one on the inside with us, we just sang it. Why would he fail us now? Why would he fail us now? The chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well, for on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing in him. There are a contingency of people on this planet. I've met many of them in other countries, and for the first time, I'm beginning to meet them in our country whose response to us causing many people to believe on him. I, I think Fouad was, I think Fouad's in this service. Are you in this service, Fouad? Maybe he was first service. Fouad Masri, who's been working with Muslims all over the world in the United States for the last 35 years. There are those on other, plan, uh, other countries that want you to die if many people are coming to believe in Christ because of you, okay? That's what the kingdom of darkness wants. Now we can run around scared and we can hide or we could put Jesus right in the foundation in the center of our homes, suck it up and walk in faith. Mary and Martha did not hide in their homes. Six days later, Jesus is gonna be crucified. Seven days later, they're gonna be, no, six days later, I'm sorry, they're gonna be sitting at the same, at that, and who's at the cross, at the foot of the cross? Mary and Martha. 
because they had Jesus at the foundation of their home. They didn't run and hide. They ran to Jesus. They went to Jesus even when he was being crucified, buried. And by the way, and we're gonna go on this note, the smell of this perfume, the smell of this sweet-smelling nard lasts between five to seven days. It's the smell of, if you Google it and you essential oil ladies can confirm this, it's a sweet wood-smelling scent. Not just sweet, but wood. Mary was anointing Jesus' burial with the smell of sweetness and of wood. Wood of which, a tree of which Jesus was going to be hanging on. The very moment when Jesus was being sacrificed and beaten for your sins and mine, the scent of this wood and sweetness still was on him. The aroma of sweetness of Mary's worship went with him and went with him to the grave. When I was in, when I was on the scenic route to the kingdom, shall we say, as a young 19-year-old. There were moments in Bible college where we would do something we called spiking the punch. Do you know what I'm talking about? Don't do this, children. The Bible in Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Spirit. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. What Mary was doing by putting her nard at the feet of Jesus the spirit of God filling the room, but she was spiking the nard. Spiking the nard with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus. Take your worship, take your glory, spike it with Jesus, spike the nard. And walk out into the world with the aroma of Christ on you as we head into these season of time we're in. Stand to your feet. I gotta, I gotta get you out of here. Thank you for your patience today. Father, if we don't hear anything else today, walk out of here remembering that we are spiking the nard. We are spiking our lives, our glory, laying it at your feet that we might not carry our aroma, but your aroma. Let the aroma of your spirit fill our hearts and fill our homes. Father, forgive us, those that are in here that feel like maybe I just busted their chops for yelling at each other. Lord, this is a moment of forgiveness, not a moment of judgment, a moment of saying, hey, we could adjust this in our lives. Go, give them the courage to go home and to find out what it is that's causing that and to repent of it, change their mind and go back and build a home that is filled with the fragrance of your sweet glory, your sweet gospel and not mine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.